Hello and welcome. I'm Eileen Silverglide, Chief Revenue Officer of Leaders Group Sports, an awesome company comprised of a family of brands, Sport Business Journal, which many of you know well, Sport Techie, and Leaders in Sport out of the UK. I'm so excited that all of you are here to join us for today's webinar, introducing the next generation of sports betting. It's gonna be an awesome 50 minutes, and I know all of you are gonna walk away with a ton of insight. What we're gonna to do today is really look at a case study, a soup to nuts version of how the partnership between the PGA Tour and IMG Arena came to be. The results that you'll take away are how by using data so effectively to create new products, it led to greater fan engagement, new fans, and allowing fans to make more informed betting decisions. This webinar is all about you. We want to make sure that you take away some great insights today. We also wanna make sure that you participate. So a couple of pointers. We're gonna be taking your questions throughout the conversation. They'll be fed to me, and then I'll pose them to our awesome panelists. We may not get to them all. The past couple of webinars that we've had, we've had more questions than time to answer them. So the IMG team, IMG team will get back to you with anything that goes unanswered. So let's go ahead and dive right in. I'm gonna go ahead and introduce our awesome panelists. We've got Scott Warfield, PGA Tour Vice President of Gaming. Wave Scott, so you know who we're talking about. We've got Max Wright, Chief Commercial Officer of IMG Arena, and Brad Van Wheely, Chief Product Officer. All right, gentlemen, let's go ahead and dive right in. Before we get into the content though, I've got a little bit of fun. So let's think back. What was your very first bet that you ever placed what was it on? How old were you? It's, off, it's okay, this one's off the record. <laughs> and did you win? Max, how about you first? Oh gosh, now you're asking me to go back through the, the memory banks. Uh, it was a horse called Hedgehunter in the Grand National. And I, I, to my shame, I can't remember what year that was, but it was mid naughty somewhere. I'm gonna take someone, uh, on the chat can correct me, but I think it was probably like 2004, something like that. And uh, it won, it won. Nice, <laughs> that's awesome. Brad, how about you? Uh, this one's probably really not gonna resonate with too many of, of the, the viewers today, but mine's probably um, betting on my favorite football team, which is a rugby league team here in Australia called the St. George Dragons. Uh, and I'd assume that that bet was probably the early 2000s, late 90s. Uh, and based on my form with betting, it was probably a loss. <laughs> I love it. Scott, how about you? Uh, mine was probably, we'll call it, it was a friendly wager. I think I was 12. Um, it was the 1992 National League Championship Series, um, Braves and Pirates, and a good buddy in the neighborhood was a Pirates fan. Um, I don't remember collecting after uh, Sid Reams at home in the bottom of the ninth, but uh, that's probably my first. Yeah, awesome, awesome. All right, well, let's go ahead and um, dive right in. Certainly audience uh, members, if you have anything that you wanna share, please do so. I bet there's some, some great stories out there. So as I discussed right at the beginning there, this is a soup to nuts case study. So of course, we're gonna begin at the beginning. And when we were talking about this conversation today, there was a phrase that really struck me, which was waking the sleeping giant. And Scott, you shared with us me, gosh, I think going back now a couple of years, but as you took over the role at the PGA Tour, can you share with us 
what was the opportunity that you saw ahead? So just kind of wind us back. Let's set the stage on this story. Yeah, I, I think it's a, a good place to start, Eileen. And I, I would say it's um, it's still one we spend a lot of time talking about. But but when when I was looking at this, at you know, in my my NASCAR days and, and talking to the PGA Tour guys, I mean, I, I think all of us that, that got into this domestically here in the states, you know, dating back 17, 18, when we really started to look at it. Um, you know, it started with studying what Max and Brad probably know better than anyone, which is, you know, how more mature markets have developed over time, um, like Europe, where I don't know, guys, what, 60, 70, 80 percent of, of all bets happen um, in play. Um, and of course, that hasn't been what the states historically have, have done in, in you know, non-legal markets. But I think um, we all were, were pretty adamant that's where the, the, the world was going to continue to trend. Um, so I bring that up because I, I think it, it, it sets itself up to say, okay, well then what sports do you believe are, are best positioned to, to ride that wave? Um, golf, in my opinion, um, <laughs> maybe I'm biased here, uh, have, having made a career switch and, and a state move, but I, to me was, was at the center of that opportunity given how much content we have, how many events, our global nature, the growth of the game coming out of COVID where, you know, we're have 25 million people playing the game uh, over the last two years, the highest, you know, mark in, in since 2012. Um, all of those things plus a pace of play um, that allows for natural breaks and discrete betting opportunities to me is, was, was the, the, the opportunity, uh, frankly, of a lifetime. Um, and, and so fast forward and what Max and Brad and, and the team at IMG have built, um, we're, we're, you know, continue to be super bullish on, you know, the, the role golf's going to play, you know, maybe not in 2022, but in 2023 and beyond. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. So Max, from your perspective, can you give us a little bit of a landscape as to what you were seeing around that time? So as we heard a little bit about the beginning of Scott's journey, what were you seeing? Yeah, so I mean, IMG Arena has has quite a rich um, history in in the live betting space, particularly with um, the delivery of live sports data uh, in conjunction with rights holders. We've done a lot of work in tennis, so we were very close to the the value proposition that that a um, uh, a, a live sports offering would bring. And one of the things that kind of leapt out of us, at us was that. Um, between 2012 and 2018, the growth in um, the contribution of live revenues to overall sports sports uh, revenue, revenues was was really significant. It grew from 40% to to over 60%. Um, and then when we looked across the sports that we were interested in in working in and working with, you know, the key sports um, certainly outside of the US being soccer predominantly. Uh, tennis and basketball in terms of um, contribution to sportsbook revenues. All of those propositions had pretty mature and pretty established um, live data um, uh, products within the market, both uh, official uh, and unofficial, which had contributed to this boom in, 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 live, um, in live revenues. And then when you contrast that against golf, in golf you really had no compelling uh, in-play in play 
product whatsoever. What you were seeing were outright uh, markets delivered pre-event and often a consumer wouldn't be able to have their bets settled for sometimes you know the entire duration of play until um until the end of, of round scores were received now as as a compelling and exciting betting proposition versus being able to to bet on you know cards and corners and and time of scoring within a soccer match um live during during the action there really is no comparison so golf was clearly at a disadvantage due to mm -hmm. the fact that there just simply was no live betting product so for us the challenge instantly became what would the size of the opportunity be if you could bring a live betting proposition uh, for golf in a compelling way and that's obviously the, the the genesis of the partnership with the pga tour and um and um you know that's where we identified that the scoring framework within golf so you have like let's let's take tennis for example you have loads of points that are rapidly created and settled and it leads to this kind of instant gratification uh in terms of bet settlements like so you know i can bet on the game and within the next 30 seconds to, to two minutes that game resolved and, and my stakes have been been returned as a winning bet or, or, or a losing bet but but the outcome of that bet is known and that is settled in golf you actually have that of course because you have um a huge number of shots taking place across the golf course simultaneously so you have the opportunity for shot by shot betting then you also have of course players uh, or a group score on a particular hole so you have the opportunity for hole betting and then as well of course it's how those players and groups are doing in a particular tournament so actually within golf you have multiple levels of scoring that lend themselves well to the delivery of a live betting product and as scott referenced there you know not only the scoring framework but the duration of a day's play um starting uh, early in the morning and ending you know at, at dusk that's 10 you know 10 or more hours during the day of of play across four whole days of of a tournament week so the size of the opportunity was was compelling and that's where you know not only with the pga tour but also collaborating with you know the DB, dp world tour um, and the lpga and the us pga championship has led to you know bringing a a, a golf solution to the marketplace that has solved that challenge of live data and um, and also curated that experience for the consumer to help them navigate all of that information um, as it's unfolding mm -hmm. yep yep um, brad from your perspective obviously running product something that um scott said there a minute ago that that caught my ear so when you think about the sophistication of where europe was looking back a few years and obviously with all of the changes in North America, you know, you can't even keep up with it every day to see what the new legislation is. Can you give us a little bit of a flavor for, you know, the, the, the level of sophistication from a product perspective around the time that, you know, the PGA Tour partnership was launched? Yeah, it's a good question, Eileen. You know, going back to the 90s, you had a very, very basic level of data available around golf tournaments, which extended to you know, information on scorecards, um, what players are doing and what the leaderboard's doing. You know, then moving into the 2000s, um, uh, and you know, with the visionary um, uh, status of the PGA with bringing ShotLink into play, um, really brought that shot-by-shot -shot data into the fore. And that allowed, you know, a, a certain amount of markets to, to become available um, to, to punters and, and fans alike. 
Um, but there's still a real limitation to what you could do with that data and how quants guys and traders could put that together and, and create a lot of in-play markets. So, you know, the journey that we've been on with the PGA guys, you know, dating back to, to 2018, now 2019, is very much how to take all of that great data that they're producing as part of Shotlink and turn that into all the in-play markets that, that the guys rightfully said have been missing for so long. And, and that's got us to the point where we are today, which is, you know, at this point in time, we're about 44,000 know, in-play markets and counting at a given golf tournament, which is, which is immense. You know, it's a lot of data. Um, it's a lot of algorithms, it's a lot of formulas and, and a lot of thinking that goes behind it. But we've really reverse engineered, you know, what we required. And, and the way we started it was thinking about what the end product would look like, which is the event center that a lot of people um, in the webinar have probably seen to this point in time. And then thought about what data we actually needed, um, the speed, the accuracy, and where we wanted to, to originate that data from in order to create those markets. Um, and the proof in the pudding is, is what we have today, which is, you know, not only do you get the player information, you get the tournament information, but you get a real um, detailed level of, of forensic information about every player and every shot. You know, we talk about whether a shot is obstructed or unobstructed, which has a huge bearing on, on where, you know, on, on how they're going to price that shot and, and whether they're going to hit the green or hit the fairway, depending on where they are on the course. Um, and, you know, uh, the other really, really big and important data point that, that didn't exist and something that we've worked hard with the PGA guys to put in place, and it sounds very simple, but it's you know, extremely important to, to traders and, and the sports books, is players addressing the ball. You know, that really dictates a lot of um, when in-play markets open and when they close. And even spending the time in collaborating with the PGA guys on or what the definition of you know, addressing a ball actually means, is that when the, the player takes a club out of the bag, is it when they do the waggle just before they hit the shot? You know, this all has a huge bearing on, on um, the time with which you can keep markets open. So, um, yeah, there's just a huge amount of work that's gone into even into the simplest of things as it relates to the data points. But, you know, the data's evolved, um, you know, tenfold uh, even since Shotlink came about to where we are today to make sure that it really is a, you know, a made for betting experience. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. Um... I have a lot of questions um, around the data. So, um, Brad, on that point, I think that was, you know, you started down a very interesting line of, of thought there around the data. So, as you look to what you think from your vantage point, PGA, and I'll pose them uh, the, the same question to you, Scott, in, in reverse. When you think about some of the most important data elements that you believe that PGA should utilize, what do you think it is? Yeah, I mean, again, if we take it from a betting standpoint, it's really around the speed and the accuracy of that data. You know, that's what makes the markets, that's what makes the in-play markets relevant um, to a larger audience of sports books and customers. You know, the great data that we see with the PGA guys um, really comes down to um, things like the green cam technology. So every green around the, the PGA events has around about three cameras on it. Um, those cameras can, can get hyper accurate with the positioning of the ball down to, you know, about the width of a ball, 41, 42 millimetres, depending on whether you're metric or imperial. And, and on the surface, you may say, well, why does that have a major bearing on betting? But the reality is the difference between making a five-foot putt and eight-foot putt is huge in betting circles and, and how you price that market up. So to be able to have that technology, you know, have that innovative footprint on course just allow, allows us to do a lot more in terms of um, the number and the way we display the markets, but also gives our customers being the sports books um, a really um, high level of confidence about the, the accuracy of what we're providing. Yep, yep. And Scott, from your perspective, 
So obviously you've gotten a lot of data from your awesome partners here at IMG. What has been some of the most important data assets from your point of view? Yeah, well, first of all, the, the um, difference between me making a five footer and an eight footer is about the same as zero. Um, but I would say, you know, look, that one of the things that made this so interesting was the investment that this company and a lot of folks here made in ShotLink over the last couple of decades, the millions of dollars that have invested in that with absolutely no idea we would ever utilize it for sports betting, right? Um, this was his broadcast enhancements and other engagement points. And I know, again, a, a lot of people around here um, spent several years with Brad and his team um, getting that product uh, sports betting ready, right? And and the latency that, that Brad talked about and the accuracy of having, you know, 36 radars and, and 54 cameras and 18 fairway lasers and 48 Wi-Fi access points on the golf course to make sure that that data is driving, right, this um, in-play product. And while I, you know, that's about where my technical expertise um, maxes out, what I would say is, and I wanted to, to pile on a little bit on that, that in-play, like, as we start to think about the so what behind all of this, who, who like, for us, that in-play and why it's so important is you can imagine what that does to the rest of our business, right? So if you can get, we know that people are 50% more likely to watch an event if they have have money on that event. Um, so now all of a sudden your quarter hour TV ratings go from here to here and people are attending more events, 42% more likely to attend an event that they're betting on. So those things um, in addition to commercial opportunities, but the high tide lifting boats and driving engagement across our ecosystem is, is really at the core of why we've leaned into this space, um, you know, following a Supreme Court decision, right? I mean, that, that, that framework was decided at a pretty high level here in the States and um, all the leagues, including the PJ Tour, you know, decided how they were gonna operate within that. Yep, yep. Um, do you think, Scott, that the, you know, I know you were all on board <laughs> for this change. When you think about the leadership, you know, those that you had to probably do some persuading, right? Because this is obviously a very significant change. What do you think that others around the PGA Tour were expecting from the data? And do you think there were any big surprises on your side? Yeah, I mean, if, to be honest, I, I think it's it's still a continual conversation. I mean, it, we're, we're, we, st we all have to remember, again, here in the States, we're in the bottom of the first, top of the second, whatever sports analogy you want to use of this sports betting, right? And I think we're all at a little bit of an inflection point on what is this market going to look like, but but getting people, A, comfortable with what we're doing in this space, why we're doing it um, is something I don't see going away in the short term, right? We have a lot of stakeholders that have, um, you know, uh, are, are interested in, in making sure, A, we're either doing this the right way, how we're going about it, how we're balancing it with our responsible gaming initiative or our integrity programs to make sure we're, we're protecting the core product. Um, but, you know, in, in terms of surprises, I mean, I, I think the, I think the biggest one, um, you know, probably is just the, the, the accuracy and the speed at which we're able to get 1.4 million shots recorded last year in ShotLink off of the course over at IMG, 
through their system out to operators um, until you've been to a golf course and, and been on one of these apps and seen it, it's hard to comprehend, um, but it's that good. Um, and, and I think when you, you're able to have executives and other stakeholders touch and feel it uh, like that, they understand how this can be a fundamental game changer and how the, the sport is, is viewed over the next decade. Yep, yep, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. I mean, this is definitely something that, you know, I'm sure for any, any of the folks on your side who were a little bit skeptical going in, actually like seeing it and then seeing the result, I'm sure made, made all the difference. Um, I'm also curious in terms of, you know, you were battling off some very impressive results right there. So, you know, just, you know, the, the numbers that you just shared in terms of, um, you know, viewership and, and what happens when folks are, of course, engaged in this manner through, through making uh, wagers in the middle of play. And I'm curious, Max, from your perspective, you know, thinking outside of just this specific um, case study we're talking about here, what are some of the other data points that you've seen from other clients? What are some of the actual revenue impacts? Um, well, outside of, uh, of golf, we have a, um, you know, a, a property within within the Endeavor family called uh, UFC, which obviously is uh, is well known to all of us here. And um, what may be less well known is that um, we recently launched a, a, a similar event center with the UFC for um, live fight nights. So again, the same concept, bringing a rich data uh, experience to a live sporting um, format in conjunction with the sports rights holder. And actually there the UFC has gone one step further in that the UFC event center is actually branded and it contains player likenesses, which I think is uh, fighter likenesses, which is, which is a first in the space. And what you really see there is a heightened level of engagement within that sports betting environment throughout the duration of the live performance because of course um live events sorry because the the um rather than a consumer visiting their app and then leaving their app whilst they're engaging with um ufc fight pass what they're doing is they're keeping their their app open uh, throughout because the data rich environment is giving them things like the the, the strikes um scored by a particular fighter it's giving them uh, in round information which is helping them to take a view on who is who is going to win the fight. So from an engagement proposition, uh, Scott talked about it from the point of view of, of stimulating interest in the broadcast. Uh, and that's a great example of, of the, um, the broadcast um, powering the betting and the betting helping to, to, to stimulate and engage with, 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 with the broadcast. Yep, yep, yep. That makes, that's, that's tremendously important too. I mean, there's a lot of ways to, to look at the impact of something like this. And you know, I'm sure that's a question that um, a lot of our viewers have is if they're thinking about you know, investing in something like this, you know, making a change for their own businesses, how do you measure the impact? Um, just circling back though one more time on some of the more um, intriguing data points. So Brad, just another one over to you. Um, where have you, you know, when you think about product development, how do you recommend that that folks actually measure the impact. So you know, we talked about you know app usage. We talked about engagement in terms of viewership. You know, what are the some of the things that you have in the back of your mind in terms of metrics as you're developing new projects, products, excuse me, and obviously um, you know the ones that we're talking about today. Sure. Yeah. I mean, on a simple level, I mean, it is the basic stuff like looking at the metrics about usage and where people are using, how they're using it, 
where that engagement's coming from, on what platforms, on what, on what devices, that, that's a pretty simple answer. The more, uh, I guess, advanced answer to that is, um, for us, even going back to the day where we first thought about what the initial products for this project would look like, it was really about collaborating um, with the customer, the sports book, alongside you know the PGA guys. And so, you know, way back when this was just an idea in our heads, and, and we still were not even—I think the ink wasn't even dry on the contract with the PGA. You know, we were already talking to um, you know a wide variety of sports books, you know, our customers, effectively, to say, "Hey, this is our thought. This is what we want to do. These are the products we want to build. What do you think? Does this work for you? If we have these data points, and we can get you." this data and these markets um, with this latency, you know, is that going to be a product that you think, you know, that you can sell and your customers are going to adopt and they're going to want you to make, um, you know, the investment in, in taking that product and, and making golf, um, you know, a critical part of your sports book. And so, again, it was really about reverse engineering it and spending a lot of time with, um, with the customer base. So I would put a lot of it down to, to planning and research even before we, we wrote that first line of code or, or came to the PGA guys and said, hey, mm -hmm. you know, Shotlink's great, but these are the sort of you know, refinements and, and modifications we'd like to, to make and to get it ready for, for betting purposes. I am very interested, Brad, where you were, where you were on uh, product development and the partnership with the PGA. So Scott, maybe you could share a little bit from your side of, you know, we just kind of heard Brad's point of view in terms of reverse engineering, starting with the, you know, the end goal in terms of what the product portfolio should be but can you just kind of walk us back a little bit in, t in time on you know what did the partnership and the product development process look like from your point of view yeah and look some of that um will, will have predated me right joining last yeah, year january um but but i think what what i would say is um you know, we, we looked at and we get a lot of their research coming from IMG, we looked at a, a, a sport that traditionally was a pretty stagnant offering, right? It was outright winner, maybe some head to heads, um, you know, maybe a, a finishing, you know, place on a, on a leaderboard. Um, and where we're headed is every hole, every shot, every player. Um, now, I, I think we would all agree that that's probably not a light switch flick that on and go from from three main markets to, to 3,000. Um, so part of what we've been been working on is a kind of a, a evolution, right? And, and some of the markets we're seeing really interesting growth around is first round leader, right? And, and how that's driving engagement around the Thursday telecast because people are sweating out their, their first round leader bet or highest finishing American or, um, you know, a low score on a, on a weekend um, all the way down to you know, next hole is is Mark Leishman gonna par or birdie, and, and where are the odds? So, we're in this for the the long haul. Um, this is a one of those 20, 30 initiatives that we say for again growth of game and future proofing audience. If we do this right, um, you know, we're we're gonna see our audience um, grow. And again, I don't think any of us would look back at whatever 2021 hopefully we're, we're, we're getting COVID now behind us in 22 but and say there was much positive to come out of that but one of them was honestly the the growth of the game of golf um I know I mentioned it a few minutes ago with the 25 million players but like almost three and a half million of those were were, were newcomers to the game um and and that was driven mostly by by junior golf and um you know they're 
46% of them are under the age of 34, which lines up nicely with who the traditional better is. And, you know, so our audience is set up to, to, to do this. They just need a product offering that um, matches their, their expectations. And thankfully, again, credit to, to Brad and his team, um, we have something that is um, truly unique. Yep, yep, yep. Now that I'm back on this, I find this whole <laughs> development of this is very interesting to me. So, Brad, another question for you is, as you worked with the PGA Tour, what do you think were some of the things that you had to tweak in terms of designing the product in such a way that it would be right for the golf fan? So, were there some, like, tell us some things that you did and maybe even are planning to do as you, you know, develop the next iteration here um, that you really feel like is unique to this particular audience? Sure, I'll try and stay away from some of the, the technical bits that maybe are a bit boring to the audience, but I think some of the critical ones that, that stand out in my mind even to this day um, is really around how you set up the process, the structure for scoring events. And, you know, the PGA has an extensive network of, of people that, that score their events, you know, all over mainland US and, and beyond. Um, and they've done a great job of that for many, many years. But for us, it needed some tweaks and there was also some additional data points, like I mentioned earlier around, you know, player addressing ball that were totally new to teams of scorers that had, that had worked, you know, with the PGA Tour for a long, a long period of time. And so there was a big piece of work there to, to A, add new data points, B, refine some existing ones, and then C, actually retrain a huge workforce um, to understand, you know, why, how, um, you know, what it meant to make sure that, that they were quick to define and, and, and input that information once a shot was hit. Um, and, you know, to the PGA's credit, you know, they, they took it on board. It's, it's not easy sometimes to accept some of that change and, and some of the direction we wanted to head in. Um, and then also to be able to deploy that to that huge workforce of scorers via online and in-person training sessions in the days and weeks leading up to each tournament, you know, over a number of years, you know, full credit, that was a huge, a huge piece of work. And the end result was, you know, we got a lot more data um, that was, you know, hyper accurate, you know, hyper fast and, and really help feed, you know, feed the machine um, that produces uh, the, the pricing. So that, that was huge, you know, and it goes right across from, you know, um, the other part we haven't really spoken much about today is live streaming. So, you know, part of the product is two par three holes live streamed and it's part of that tee to green gamified experience. And so working with the PGA entertainment guys, the guys that produce the, the live feeds week in and week out, um, you know, spending a lot of time about, you know, camera positioning, what we wanted to get out of it, the story we wanted to tell with that streaming, you know, for a betting audience as opposed to a general fan audience that watches, you know, PGA events week in and week out on, um, uh, you know, on, on terrestrial, you know, pay-per-view TV. So, um, yeah, there was just so many elements where, you know, yes, part of it was adopting new software, new hardware, but the other part was very much around making human change um, and making process and structure change to, to what um, what we delivered as a, as a partnership. And again, you know, we, we're extremely happy about, about how far that's come and, um, you know, the quality of the data and the product we'd be able to create by, by working together on, you know, improving you know, what was an existing service with ShotLink and, and even with the live tour productions team to, to make it even better and, and more fit for purpose. Yep, yep, yep. 
And Eileen, I, I think Brad brings up a good point about the streaming because, you know, I think sometimes people forget that that our events are, you know, broadcast in 260, 216 countries and territories across the world in 27 languages. And now to be able to have this complimentary, um, you know, stream experience um, to, to go along with the betting, it's a, um, you know, it's a really, it's a really interesting component of that kind of bet and watch and bet or whatever the phrase is these days around having it in a, you know, in, in the same spot. And, um, you know, I think we've seen good engagement around those, those par three streams. Yep. Yep. How do you see, you know, it was interesting. I mean, just thinking through about the, the global nature of it. So how do you see the engagement and the data vary regionally? And that's a jump ball for anybody who wants to, to weigh in there. as quietness I'll, I'll take it look i think it's it's early you know it's still fairly early days in the scheme of of getting you know a lot of bookmakers in a lot of different markets live um i think there's a lot of um experimentation happening with the bookmakers at the moment to figure out particularly the in-play markets what's working what's not and given that at the end of the day you know there's 44 odd thousand uh, in-play markets and their derivatives which is huge yeah, there's a lot of work being done about the process of discovery to filter up the ones that are important to, to certain audiences in certain territories. And I think that's where we're right at the start of that journey to really figure out what's working for whom. And, and again, that the beauty of you know, getting in a free plug for the product, the beauty of the product is it's fully customizable. Uh, and you know, we work with individual customers to figure out well, what markets are important to you and which ones do you want to float to the top of the event center and, and which ones do you want to filter down you know, further below. And that's just the start. You know, the next part of that journey is is really about customising it more and more. So, you know, once we have a level of, of knowledge and engagement from that fan base, it's figuring out well, you know, do does everyone that first engages with the um, the event centre just want to see a leaderboard, or do they want to go straight into certain pricing markets, or do they want to go straight to a live stream? You know, so that the more information that we can gauge, even in an anonymised fashion, I think the more powerful we can make the product as 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 more and more users come to um, to discover it and use it on a regular basis. Yep. Yeah. Such an international player base too. I think it's going to be interesting over time to be able to look and say, are there certain countries and they 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 want to follow a particular golfer from their country around the course um, mm -hmm. and may not be betting on him to win outright or have a certain position, but they like the way he plays par fives on certain courses and they're going to, they're going to bet that way. So I think to, to Brad's point of the customization, we spent a ton of time thinking about how to do that from a, a media standpoint. Now, I think in the years ahead, we can think about how to do that from a betting, uh, betting standpoint. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's an awesome view into, into new products there. Um, I'd love to go ahead. I know we're getting a couple questions here around um, implementation. So let's spend a moment on that. So, of course, this is a big change for any organization, and we do need to spend a moment, as I as I mentioned here, just talking about implementation. And so we won't get too <laughs> technical because I know these kind of conversations can always can always go down that path. But um, you know, certainly, Max, to you first, please, as you're guiding your clients to think about implementing some of these um, awesome data sets and and new products, what are some of the things that you tell your clients right up front to think about in terms of implementation? What are some of the best practices? Yeah, well, I mean, the implementation is a big topic with a sport as large as golf. Um, 
in terms of the, the richness of the data and in, in fact it's kind of linked to the last sort of topic of discussion around directions that we went in with the product i mean one of this, the decisions that i think we got very right early on was that we decided to um uh take it in a new direction and not just to simply syndicate the data to a betting company and have the obligation to create product and to innovate sit on their side of the fence rather than ours. And when you think about, you know, when you think about, um, uh, you know, the number of data points involved, the number of people who had golf um, pricing models that were capable of pricing pre-event, let alone live hole-by-hole um, uh, -hole markets, let alone shot-by-shot -shot markets, in the shot-by-shot -shot side, it was absolutely zero. So you know, pretty early on, it, it became apparent to us that we were we were kind of all in on every aspect of the product development. So that's bringing the, 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 the shot by shot data service, bringing pricing for all the elements of that data service to the operator so that they didn't have to do anything on the pricing front. Then, as Brad said, bringing and designing a set of modules on the event center that allows uh, the operator to provide a curated experience for the end consumer. So if the end consumer wants to sit on a leaderboard all day and follow the tournament that way, they can. Equally, if they wanted to dive onto a, a hole, a particular hole, we've mapped the entire course and we've digitally rendered a, a, a both 3D and a 2D view of the course so that you can view a shot tracker of where that player's ball is on a particular hole and you can zoom right in and stand behind the player's view and look at the shot that they're about to take. Now, that's a level of sophistication that I think probably at the outset we hadn't contemplated, but it, it's kind of like the further down the rabbit hole we went, we realized that bringing more rather than less was gonna be um, uh, what drove the, the value for the betting operator and allowed them to simply say, yeah, th this is this is complete in terms of the features that I would want to see. I don't have to develop or or innovate on anything on on uh, within the product teams on the operator side. Now, the, the quid pro quo within that, and the flip side is that, of course, when you come to integrate the product, there are there are a variety of different elements that you have to integrate. So you obviously have to integrate the data and the odds markets. You have to integrate the live event center. And I think one of the things that we've, we've learned within the delivery of, of that product is optionality and providing different ways for the operator mm -hmm. to consume. So um, a data-rich a, a data version of the feed and a slightly lighter version of the feed that allows some operators to get to market quicker by, by taking and integrating that lighter version. Um, and then uh, in the variety of some of the market types, Brad's referenced it there, but you can you can turn the volume up on certain market types that are resonating well and, and drive uh, and drive the visibility of those market uh, markets to the top whilst whilst um, uh, pulling back on some of the other market types. So through the experience of of working with uh, many of the operators who are already integrated and live, we're constantly learning about you know new ways to um, uh, to drive an integration that that provides an operator with with, with the options that they want to see and you know, going forwards, we're, we're looking also at, at, at providing a hosted version, which sees, you know, the operator um, having to embed only an iframe as well on, onto their site as well and turning over the management of the product. So, you know, again, looking to make it as, as simple and as straightforward whilst retaining that entire breadth of product quality across all the different areas, the visuals, the data, the odds markets and, and the live video streaming as well. Yeah. Yeah. Scott, how about from your point of view? So 
we don't have to share all the bumps in the road, <laughs> but I'm sure there were some. You know, if you think about our audience here, you know, what are some things that you would say, don't do this, do this when it actually comes to implementation? Oh man, that's a tough question. Um, I, it's it's hard to say, at least at least from the seat I sit in, because um, I'm not sure I knew we knew what to expect. Um, mm -hmm. Right? I mean, I, we uh, <laughs> these guys are the experts in the gaming space. Who I've been doing it all of you know three and a half years or whatever it is. Um, you know, I think one of the learnings has been, and none of us saw again COVID coming. Um, but the the integration piece um being a, a heavy lift um and with here in the states as new states came on board and priorities um are you know people are thin offices are thin and and um finding the the time to um devote to this the dev resources to devote to this i, I empathize with with you know our our operator partners. I mean, they, they all say the same thing. Like we're seeing golf grow, right? Golf handle for the players championship was up 50%. They're seeing it out punch its weight. They will tell you the same thing. We think this is one of the, the growth engines for them over the next decade in terms of um, their, their percentage of revenue at the same time, it, it, right? Right now it is smaller comparatively than some of the others. So you know, we spend a lot of time talking to operators about thinking about, you know, what this whole thing looks like in 2025, what it looks like in 2030. Um, and yes, I think we would all admit golf has not um, been a top five player. But I would say that the, the data, to Brad's point, wasn't available. The product wasn't great. The offering was what it was and i think a lot of our fans said yeah cool i'll throw a, a bet in on who's going to win the tournament and take a shot at 144 players really hard um and not super engaging um so just you know picking the spots finding the right times to 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 have those conversations knowing um that again this is a not to use another an app, but this is a marathon, not a sprint for us. Um, and it's why we have a long-term deal with these guys and are locked arm in arm with them on, on, on everything, because this is the cornerstone of what we're going to do in the space. Um, and it, that won't change. Yep. Yep. I mean, what I definitely heard from you there, Scott, is got to educate everybody that, you know, along the way, right? I mean, it's all, I mean, this is true of any implementation, of course, like it's about getting buy-in up front but it's also being realistic with people that it is going to have some bumps in the road because if you don't know what to expect you know in some ways people will fear the worst or expect the <laughs> or expect a miracle outcome that is is just not not reality so it really does from again from what i just heard from you there is really about educating 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 um and then finally uh brad on, on this topic you know from your perspective does that does that resonate right so clearly you're in the thick of this with with the PGA Tour here, and certainly with other other clients, and in terms of other builds, what do you recommend in terms of education or anything to to really you know think through and potentially even avoid? Yeah, I mean, I think what we've seen in having a lot of dialogue with a lot of sports books all around the world is you know there's a huge appetite for taking the product now that it's live and you can touch it and taste it and smell it and and you know that it's there and it's real. You know, when we started this, you know, back in in 2017, 2018. 
you know, there was a lot of, I think, smirking behind the scenes about, you know, you guys are really not going to be able to deliver something that's going to meet the needs of a bookmaker. You know, the, the complexity of, of covering a sport that, you know, covers four and a half miles of, of ground in all weather conditions is a very, very different proposition to, you know, a sport like tennis or, or football or basketball. You've got a closed environment with set fibres and technology, you know, which don't get me wrong, still has its challenges, but nothing like you do with golf. So, you know, I think once we, we were able to overcome and, and prove, you know, first the proof of concept and then the full product, um, you know, we're at that point, which is a really nice point to be at now, where it's just um, working through, you know, the customization of the product, what people want. And, you know, it's a competitive environment where you've got sports books that are competing for time on their own, um, you know, development roadmaps um, to do work on a wide variety of sports that matter to their audiences. And, you know, for us now that we have a tangible product that, that's proven it's worth, that has good metrics, um, you know, we've now basically um, put together a whole customer solutions team um, that works directly with the operators that have shown interest um, in the product on, on what they want, how they want to do it and making the integration process as easy as possible. You know, that the front end side of things in integrating the event center, which includes all the 2D and the 3D ball track and the live streaming and all the, the scores and stats is relatively, a relatively simple process. Most of it's just a bit of QA and, and, and dropping a bit of code on. Obviously integration of markets as every sports book um, operator will know is where, you know, the work and, and where you earn your keep. Um, and that's, you know, that's the piece where it's just about working with operators to figure out, you know, going back to, to what Max said, you know, we've got the premium, we've got the light version, you know, do you want, do you want to take the, um, the slow way in or, or the fast way in, in terms of the integration, how many markets you want to show and, and how you want to experiment with your audience to see what's resonating with them. So, you know, again, it's, it's just part of the, the journey that we're on and, um, you know, we never ever could have done this on a short-term deal with the PGA. It wouldn't have made sense for any any party. You know, there's there's almost three years of R&D just to get us to the start line before you even think about integrations with customers. And and right now, I think we're in a really nice place to really work through the last of the kinks and get you know a huge majority of um, you know a, a huge number of customers integrating the product. Yep. Yep. Um, quick question in from the audience, um, Brad. I think this one is to you. If not, anybody, please jump in. Um, the question is, um, can you please comment on real time, sub half a second, that's real time, that's fast, in sync video streaming capability to broadcast sized audiences to enable true micro wagering? So Brad, I'm thinking that one is best placed um, in your hands. So can you comment please on real time micro wagering? Yeah, this has been a really um, important conversation for a number of years now. You know, there's a number of tech providers out there that have managed to crack the code to some degree on, on ultra low latency streaming services. Um, you know, what you see if you're taking a direct broadcast telecast is depending on which territory you're in. You know, if it's the US, you know, your delays can be seven, eight, nine, ten seconds or even more if you're taking that broadcast feed. Other countries, you know, differ some higher, some lower. Um, obviously, we take um, the broadcast feed directly from the compound, from the, the truck. The service we have with the PGA guys is um, you know, made for purpose for us and we get it a bit faster. But the reality is with technology today on a, on a mainstream um, um, level is that you're still experiencing five, six seconds on, on streaming. We are 
uh, as I think everyone is at the moment, stress testing a lot of these ultra low latency services out there to figure out, um, you know, I don't think it's a case of if, it's a case of when we'll adopt one of those and that will will basically bring that that latency down to, you know, the, the half a second that, um, that the viewer there referred to. So I think it's coming. It's an interesting one. I remember back to the original days and I talked a bit earlier about talking with customers when we just had the ideas in our head about what we wanted to do. And that was one of the first questions and, and feedback that came to us is, well, we're not going to take that service um, if you're going to give us the data at, at sub-second, which is what it is to today in many instances, but you're not going to give us the streaming service because you can't for, you know, until five or six seconds after because it's going to be a, um, you know, a, a lack of synchronicity between the data and, and the streaming service. Um, and our comment was, would you rather have your betting markets open longer or would you rather us delay the, the data, which we can do, and then the pricing feeds and match it up? And you know, it didn't take very long for, for all the customers to say, well, no, you know, the, the data is, is more important at the end of the day than, than having the, um, the synchronised service between the, the streaming and, and the data. So we don't see it as a, as a major issue, but no question, it's a fair it's a fair point to raise. And I think, you know, we will get to a point um, in the not too distant future where that latency will drop significantly as part of um, the technology that's available now. But we are still seeing some challenges um, when you scale that out. Uh, and there's also definitely some, some pricing considerations there as well. Yep. The other, yep. The other component related to the, the audio visual broadcast, of course, is that um, golf, uh, traditional golf broadcasting is, it is often not live anyway, because what you're seeing is a, a live highlights reel of actions that may have taken place simultaneously in different locations. So when you're seeing Rory hole out on the, you know, the bunker shot on the 18th at the Masters recently, you know, you, you view the, the, the part of Scotty Scheffler a few minutes later and you can hear the roars, right? Those are two different things that you're seeing as live, but you're seeing them three minutes apart. And, and golf, from a betting point of view, has you know, has always had that challenge. And I don't think that challenge is any different today versus the product that we're bringing. How we have circumvented that challenge is to bring that live event center experience where we know we know that the consumer is not gonna be able to see every putt live. But what they can do is see in real time on every hole where every ball is in sub-second latency. So they can place a bet on, on, on the particular outcome of the shot. They may, may just not see it on the broadcast till a couple of minutes later. But equally on the par threes, of course, you know, you, you, what you will have is um, players taking their shots and then there will be a period of, of time, of course, because players need to, to walk up and approach the green. So it's, I, I think the, on, on the par threes, the, the latency issue kind of tends to resolve itself given the, the period of time in between shots. Yep, yep. Sorry to pile on there. I, I, the, the, the thing I would add, and Max is right about traditionally, like that's what the golf broadcasts have been, um, you know, starting this this past year in 22 right? we now have four live streams on espn plus every week right so um that imagine when there's broad distribution for this live in play product and we can pair it with what's happening on those live streams um, a lot more live which then goes to your question i think about the, the latency the only piece i would say is that's the the one benefit of having a slower game right it it, it takes seven or eight minutes to walk to your ball after hitting a drive on a par five another three minutes to pick your club six seven seconds not the end of the world six seven seconds may be the end of the world and with a 24 second shot clock so 
um, you know, those are things we'll, we'll continue to work through from a tech side, but, but I do think it's a, it's a nice, another nice advantage of why, you know, live in play betting for golf for baseball, where, where it's a little bit you know, more discreet and, 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 and some would say slower, um, actually lends itself nicely. Yep. Yep. Um, this is a, a, a great direction to, to head down because I wanted to, to wrap up here soon and just talk about a little bit of the future. So I was curious to, um, to hear from all of you a direction in terms of what do you think is around the corner. But before I do that, um, two very quick points. Um, number one, I think question for you, Scott, from the audience is, um, and I'll read this one just directly here. Um, as golf is a tournament event, will you be utilizing um, paramutual and allowing payouts for second, third, etc.? And if that's something you can share or not, um, but as you look to the future, is that something that is on the product roadmap? I would say what's on the product roadmap is broad distribution for this IMG live in play product um, and, and all the various kind of bet types that come along with, with that. But Max, anything to pile on there? I didn't understand the question. Can you say, can you repeat the question again, please, Eileen? Yes, absolutely. And maybe it's something that we can um, circle back on if we, we can't take it here, because I know we are starting to run short on time. But, and the question is, as golf is a tournament event, um, we'll be utilizing a paramutual and allowing payouts for second, third, et cetera. Uh, it, currently in, in how we present our product to the market, that's not something that the product is designed to, to support. But okay. you now we have really interesting conversations the whole time with people across the industry who've come up with innovative ways of using the data that, that we're providing. So you now I think that's exciting for future direction once we've you know, got this live data out to every bookmaker who's integrating at the moment. Yep, got it. Thank you for that. Um, okay, folks, we're just we're almost here at time. So um, put take out the crystal ball. Um, let's talk about the future. So one final question for each of you. Um, and Brad, I'll start with you, please. Same question to pose to each one. So if you had to think about how you believe the fan experience will change around the corner, so in terms of making more informed betting, in terms of making um, you know, the next generation um, of product, what do you think it is? And we kind of already got a little bit of that from Max there a moment ago, but Brad, what do you think is coming around the corner? What should people be on the alert for? Yeah, for me, it's it's the storytelling, it's the narrative that we can bring into the betting market. And I think we're only just scratching the surface now as we start to, to reveal more and more data points that, that are becoming accessible. A lot of those data points only become accessible because compute power, drones, technology is better than it's ever been before. And, and for me, the real opportunity, particularly for a sport like golf, is to engage a whole new audience by being able to dive deeper into the data. You know, there's a, the, the Bryson DeChambeau effect at the moment. Um, you know, people want to see the length of the drive. People want to understand some of the science behind, you know, what goes into a certain part or a certain shot that's hit. And, and for me now, we have this opportunity to, um, to triangulate a whole bunch of, of data to come up with new stats, you know, strokes gained, you know, change the, the world of betting and the way people look at it and the way they compare players and tournaments and those sort of things. And I think there's a lot more of that coming, you know, based upon the data that we can now collect. You know, in the future, I see a world where we are, we're rating and valuing shots and players based on pressure and weather and conditions um, and, and live ball and all these sort of things. And I just think, you know, you can't, as, as much as, you know, there'll always be more and more coverage of, of golf and, and as many players as you can. You've got 140 
um, you know, odd golfers, uh, you know, pros out there in the field. It's hard to cover all that in a live environment. And I really think, you know, with the sort of event center that we've got and the data that we collect, you can really get um, a really immersive experience that talks and, and shows you exactly what a particular player is doing at a, at a particular point in time with the data. So I really see that's where the depth comes in. Yep. Okay, Max, over to you. 30 seconds. What's I'll keep, in the future? I'll keep it brief. Look, I think I, I think that we've shifted the paradigm with the product that we've brought here, and you're going to see many uh, sports rights holders and their distribution partners teaming up to bring this level of feature-rich engagement to consumers. Uh, we won the sports hashtag award for best online sports betting product for a reason, and that's because you know you see other com uh, other um, uh, rights owners doing it, but not just live eventing data, but player tracking data, wearables bringing in a holistic experience and trying to blend those segments with not only the, uh, the, the data and the visualization, but also audio visual as well. So what I think you'll see is assets that come from the sports rights owner being combined uh, on long-term partnerships to bring products that deliver real value that sports betting companies cannot get without partnering with the rights holders and their distribution partners. Yeah, that's a great point. Scott Warfield, last word. 17% of core bettors um, bet on golf. Um, I see that number going to 25, 30, 40 at North. Um, if we do this right, if we do it responsibly, and um, I think we finally right, have the product that we should, should allow for that. Awesome. All right. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much. I learned a ton. I hope our audience did as well. Thank you very much. I do know, again, there are some questions that we were not able to get to. So and the IMG team will get back to you. But have a wonderful rest of your week. Um, good morning to you, Brad, in Australia. Enjoy the rest of your day. And thank you again for your time. Thanks, Arlene. Thank Bye. you.